Hello, this is the Made Musings podcast, the podcast that focuses on everyday issues, illnesses, and disabilities that affect everyday people. Find us anywhere you listen to your podcast and on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, Tumblr, and YouTube at Made Musings. Please subscribe. Today, my guest is a naturopathic doctor. She specializes in functional neurology, utilizing applied kinesiology. So welcome to the Mid Musings podcast, Dr. Heidi. Thank you. So can you tell us a bit more about you and what you do? Yeah, absolutely. So like she said, I'm a naturopathic doctor and being a naturopathic doctor, um, you know, I am, I am a doctor. I went to medical school. It's four years after a four-year undergraduate degree. And we learn most of what medical doctors learn. So we learn all of the bones and the muscles and the physiology, the biochemistry, pharmacology. And then in our second two years of school, we are also in the clinic shadowing other naturopathic doctors. But we also dive into the natural stuff. So for two years, we're learning homeopathy, botanical medicine, hydrotherapy, acupuncture, Chinese medicine, and so all of the natural things as well. When I was in school, I decided to pick up applied kinesiology also, which is a system of a program that utilizes muscle testing to get a better look at what's happening inside of the person's body. And so I like to think that your muscles are the mouse and we're using the mouse to access the computer, which is your body. And so a patient could tell me, you know, oh, here's my symptoms. I have gas a lot and bloating and acne. And that's great for me to know the symptoms. But really, I think the best way to treat people is to learn about the internal workings of their body. And so with muscle testing... I'm able to look at the the body more as a whole. So I can test each individual muscle and then that will tell me what organ system or meridian system there's a problem on. And then we can dive into that. So it makes not only diagnosing and treating much more specific, but it also helps to find the root cause of disease. Because we could have back pain and someone can have low back pain forever. They could get x-rays and MRIs and, you know, everything looks fine. Well, there's a lot of muscles that are going in the low back, right? And so all of these muscles contribute to a different acupuncture meridian, which tells me that there's a different organ system that comes into play. And so by treating that organ system, we can actually treat the back pain. Yeah, it's very comprehensive. And it allows me to really get the best results with my patients because I'm not guessing. And I think a lot of people in medicine in general, whether it's Western medicine or natural medicine, it's a lot of a guess. It's like, tell me your symptoms. Let me give you an answer. As a kind of a treatment with muscle testing, we don't have to guess. I know exactly what your body needs and exactly how to treat it. So it makes practice really fun. Very interesting for sure. There's never a dull moment. And it's awesome because when a patient comes in, they could sit and talk to me for an hour, but really I don't need to know that. I just need them to lay on the table and get to work by testing their muscles to kind of see what's going on. 
So it's a very interesting way to utilize natural medicine because through the muscle testing. So one of the things that applied kinesiology, I, I really love about it is that it puts the body into three different planes. So we have our spiritual, mental, emotional plane, and we have our chemical, our nutrition, biochemistry plane. And then we also have our structural and functional plane. And so depending on what, you know, is ailing the patient, it could either be mental, emotional, chemical, or physical. And so then we can dive in and see like, okay, do you need an adjustment? Do you need emotional work or do you need a supplement or to change your nutrition, to change your diet, that kind of a thing. So it's, like I said, very comprehensive and we can kind of get to the bottom of a lot of really big issues for a lot of people. Oh, that's awesome. Is is it seems like he has a lot of components. You talked about chemistry, biochemistry, orthopedics, emotional, and then nutritional and chemical um, components of the body. So that's kind of uh, comprehensive. But how do you determine which method you use for diagnosis for each patient? Yeah, that's a great question. So I have a couple ways of determining it. Typically, when I first see a patient, and let me just add in here that when I say see a patient, it doesn't have to be in my office. I do a lot of visits either across the nation or across the globe with patients. And because muscle testing is energy, right? And so we think that we have this physical body that we live in. But in reality, if you guys are familiar with quantum physics or quantum healing, the physicalness of our body is so small compared to the energy that's within our cells. And so all of the electrons that are circulating around each of our cells are producing a ton of energy. And so we are energetic beings. And with that, we're able to cross boundaries because energy doesn't have any boundaries. And so we can, and there's also no boundaries of time and space. So it doesn't matter if you know, you're sitting next to me or if you're across the globe, we can still access your energy as a patient. And by doing the way that I do that is I just ask to talk with your energy and I kind of ask your energetic body if I have permission to kind of work with your energy. And so once I have done that and I've established a rapport kind of with your energetic body, then I get to go in and ask questions. And so with you, the question you just asked, there's different ways I can do it. I use vials. So energetic vials, again, they imprint the whatever's in the vial. They have an imprint of it so that I can test like, okay, is this you know body have a virus or a bacteria or something like that? And so I do the same exact thing for which plane are we working in? And I will just ask the body, is this a structural issue? Is this a a chemical issue or is this an energetic emotional issue? And so once I get that answer through a positive muscle test, so just a strong muscle test, it's okay. So now we know that it's in the chemical field. Okay. So if it is a chemical issue now, what is it? Is it a nutritional deficiency? Is it a, again, like a bacterial overgrowth or a viral particle that's all in the chemical realm because it affects our physiology and our biochemistry? Is it more water? A lot of times, if I can give anybody advice right now in this crazy world we live in, drink more water. We have EMFs all over us, right? The electromagnetic field. We have 
chemicals from our food. We have pollution from cars and transportation and, and what have you. And the best way that we can detox from all of that pollution and still have that sharp neurology is drinking more water. And so sometimes it's as easy as that. It's like, okay, start drinking more water or put minerals in your water or make sure you have a better filtration system on your water because our body is over 70% water. So making sure that we have enough hydration, good quality, all that stuff is super important. Hope that answered your question there. Yeah, that's awesome. It's uh, kind of (laughs) interesting you mentioned drinking more water. I know a lot of people don't even drink half a glass of water a day. I drink up to two liters of water a day and I still don't drink enough. But it's also when you drink water, you eat, it, it flushes out the toxins in your body. And given the kind of environment we live in these days, you know that all the food we take is all like polluted. It's all filled with all sorts of uh, chemicals which are not good for the body. So can you shed more light on how we can pr- improve diets for people with just nutrition? Yeah, absolutely. So like I said, I, everything I do, I muscle test. So one of the things that I do on the diet realm of things is food sensitivities. And so I can muscle test for different food sensitivities that someone may have. I have a little list of common food sensitivities that I start with. So, you know, dairy, gluten, eggs, coffee, chocolate. I know those, nobody likes to hear that those can be sensitivities. But I'll also have the patient bring into the visit, or if we do it uh, via telemedicine, I'll have them bring a food that they think that they are reactive to or allergic to or sensitive to. And then I can do the muscle testing and see, does having this food, you don't have to eat it, just have it in your energy field. Does the food being in your energy field throw off my muscle test? Meaning, does it throw off your energy? Is Is there something in the food that is near you that is causing your body and your cells to not communicate anymore. And that's all muscle testing is, is I'm getting an idea of your nervous system. Is your nervous system actually working and activating the way that it should be? And if someone were to put gluten on their body or, or bread or carbs or something like that, and it shuts off my muscle test, it's shutting off their field, their energetic field. And so that means that when they eat it, their stomach's not going to digest it well. Their intestines are not going to absorb it well. And then their colon is not going to eliminate it well. So then we have a ton of internal intestinal things going on. It also causes inflammation in the body. A lot of times when you do have like celiac disease, for example, is much more than a sensitivity. It's a, it's a actual allergy that they don't have the enzymes that they need to break down the gluten and it causes extreme inflammation in the body. Because the body thinks that there is a problem, a pathogen, an invader into the system. And so all of the white blood cells, all of the immune system is going to go into the gut and start to fight this invader that they think is there. And that's going to cause inflammation because white blood cells brings inflammation. It brings swelling, you know, all of that things like think about spraining an ankle and then think about having that in your gut, in your colon. So it's going to, you know, cause weight gain. It's going to cause bloating, gas, uh, fatigue, mood swings. I mean, all kinds of things can be caused because we're just not eating food that agree with our bodies. 
And so usually on the first or second visit, I will dive into food sensitivities. And then, um, so not only do I identify for the patient, but we can also treat it. So you don't have to live with your food sensitivities and just, you know, avoid dairy for the rest of your life. There's actually ways that we can treat each individual food sensitivity using acupressure. And you can do it right at home with, with me on the other line and kind of showing you where to put, I, I send you little um, acupressure seeds that you can stick on your body on different um, acupressure points. And then by using that and having the, uh, the food in your um, energetic field, we can actually clear that sensitivity from you. And I've gotten some great results with that, which lead to less depression, less anxiety, losing weight, better feeling in the stomach, less inflammation, joint pain, all of that kind of stuff. So for diet, that is the first place that I go to because I want to know exactly what is wrong for you. And then after we clear that allergy, we can talk about what kind of diet should you be on, more, more things that, you know, are you better with a high protein diet or a high carb diet, that kind of a thing, depending on blood type. Um, so I, I bring the, the blood type diet into, into my prescriptions and treatments as well too. So there's a lot in the nutrition realm. My, actually my um, undergrad degree is in human nutrition. So I studied it long before I went to medical school and learned all of these awesome tips and tricks. So yeah, I think what we're putting in our body is super important and it can make or break us sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> That's fantastic. I tend to go for vegetarian or vegan meals these days. I'm eating less meat because, yeah, absolutely. I understand what you put inside your body actually affects your, your mental ability you there's sometimes that you when, when you eat certain foods you just feel so tired all the time and you just feel depressed and some food are kind of uplifting foods can you give us examples of things that can be beneficial for mental health given the kind of year we have yeah. been in totally. <laughs> with the outbreak of COVID-19. It has a lot of emotional impact on people and uh, there's a lot of people going through stress and just not feeling themselves at the moment. So what advice would you give them? Sure, yeah. Let me address something real quick. You said that you eat a vegetarian, vegan diet. Do you know your blood type by any chance? I do. What, what is it, if you don't mind sharing? Um, I- Oh, that must blood group is a positive. A okay, good. Yeah, so you're actually eating the way that you should be according to your blood. Um, Positive does better digesting fruits and vegetables, and they do digesting meats and proteins and things like that. There's actually I'm a positive as well. So there's actually a enzyme that we lack that doesn't help to break down meat as well. Yeah. So whether you knew that or not, you kind of. Uh, I didn't know that. I just felt um, I had a lot of fibroids. I had 18 fibroids taken out of me last year. Oh, wow. Um, yeah. And with a lot of, a bit, a bit of endometriosis. So I thought, really, I don't need so much meat. So I've been on fish, prawns, vegetables, and uh, lots of mushrooms. So yeah. Yeah. That's, that's awesome. Right. And it's, it's so interesting because, we can sense this, right? Like we can sense that 
you know, whether it's because of a pathology or diagnosis, it's like something I'm eating is not right. Yeah. We kind of, you know, tailor the diet based on what we feel. So that's, that's great that you, um, yeah, that you're eating for your blood type. Okay. Let's just expand on other blood types. What kind of food would be good for each blood type? Sure. Yeah. So just basics, you know, I kind of break it down into the, the main food groups as far as fat, protein, and carbohydrates. And so type A is a super carb eater. So we are able to break down carbs quickly, digest them well, and assimilate them well. Whereas type O blood type, which is, they say, the oldest blood type on our planet. And I want to say the demographic of type O is more of the Asian pop. Yeah, like Asia, that side of the world. And some Africa too, I think, but I think the type A is also kind of the the southern end of Africa and then Europe. But the Americas are actually type A, B, which is a combination of of both what I'm going to talk about next. So so yeah. type A is all, is all the vegetables. Type O is going to be the meats and the proteins and things like that. So, so that keto diet is good for type O blood type. If you're type A, I would not recommend a keto diet or ketogenic if anyone's familiar with that, or it's high fat and protein and low um, carbohydrates. So type O's do good with, with the keto diet. Um, and then type AB is, and type B in general is kind of in the middle. So those are our omnivores. Those are people that do really well with kind of everything is why they're more on the newer world, like in the Americas, because it's a combination of everybody else and, you know, crossbreeding and whatever else that they're able to kind of live in both, in both realms. So if you're a type B or AB, you do good kind of with everything. You're lucky because you have a good, strong digestive system. And it does have to do with the acid that's in our stomach as well as our digestive enzymes. And so just certain blood types produce acid better and other ones just don't. So there are supplements you can take if you want, if you are a type A and want to eat, you know, that carnivorous diet of a type O. But yeah, you know, if you want to do it easier and better for your body, you would just kind of follow that. And so type O would be high high fat, high protein, type A, high carbohydrates. And then type B is just a combination of the two. (laughs) Amazing. That's so fantastic. I never knew that. And I was like, oh my God, this is so interesting. Like, oh, I I mean, my listeners, there are people that have like sickle cell, there are people that have diabetes. So this was so, so helpful for them. Yes. Yes. And, you know, I work with a lot of people with diabetes um, and, you know, the first thing that I tell them, which actually is, I'm working on writing a blog about this, that, you know, diabetes is a disease that has to do with insulin and that the insulin and the blood sugar are not playing well together and they're not getting into the cells. And so you're, you're left with this high blood sugar. And so I always tell people, well, if you have diabetes, whether it's type one diabetes where you're not making any insulin at all, or it's type two diabetes where your cells are resistant to let the insulin and the sugar into it. If you stop eating sugar, 
you don't have to worry about your diabetes as much. Your, the disease process is because we eat sugar and sugar can also be carbohydrates, right? So the first thing that I tell people with diabetes is we need to relook at your diet, relook at the foods that you're eating and see where we can substitute the, the carbs for vegetables or proteins or, you know, things like that. Because if you don't eat sugar, your body doesn't have to produce insulin and it doesn't have to get the sugar into the cells. Of the three of, of protein, fat, and sugar and carbohydrates, we can produce carbohydrates. We cannot produce our own protein and our own fat. So we really need to get those from the diet, whereas carbohydrates, we don't really need them. Yes, we need the vitamins and the antioxidants and the minerals that vegetables give us, but we don't need the carbohydrates themselves because we can make them. So as a diabetic, you know, the first thing I say is cut the carbs and let's see what happens. And, you know, that happens and it's like, wow, we need to change your medications now. Your blood sugar is looking a lot different. So if I'm working with them out of state, I will make sure and say like, we need to, I need to be in contact with your physician because who's prescribing these drugs because doing my recommendations and doing my treatment plan, you're not going to need the same drugs anymore. So, you know, if you're looking at, if you have diabetes and you're looking at getting off of medication, definitely look into diet because that's, that's the first thing. Diabetes is, is a diet related condition. So. Thank you for sharing that information. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, I was also wondering, would diets affect things like fertility? Yes. Yeah. So much, you know, Diet affects everything and for different reasons. So let's talk about fertility first. So it goes back to that inflammation piece is that if you're eating things that are, that you're sensitive to, you know, that, that weaken your energy field or whatever. So first off, you're going to, your body's going to try to digest it. And your digestive system is the biggest source of energy and the biggest part of our immune system in the body. And so if we put stuff into our digestive system, that we don't agree with, all of a sudden, all of the energy that we have, all of our immune system work, all those helpers that we have in our body are going straight into the gut to try to figure out what to do with this food that we just ate. And so with that, we're getting more inflammation, which we talked about, which is those white blood cells going to the area. But the rest of your body doesn't have a chance to do things because all of our energy is put into digesting food. And so the reproductive hormones and the reproductive system are not going to be as vibrant, as vital. You know, they're not going to have that same vitality because they don't, they don't have the energy. The body doesn't see it as a priority. If you're fighting an infection, if you're fighting a food allergy, that is priority. That will take the cake for anything else that you're trying to do in your body. So again, this brings me back to the way that I kind of practice um, with my patients is for every visit, the first thing that I'm asking their body is what is the priority here? If I were to do nothing else, what would you want done? Because if you're eating the wrong foods, let's just say, because that's what we're talking about. And, you know, you're also trying to get pregnant. Your body is never going to tell me that getting pregnant is the priority it's always going to say that the food sensitivity is the priority and that we need to clean up the gut and we need to, you know, work on inflammation and digesting food better. 
And then once we get that all situated and the gut is healthy, because like I said, that's a big part of our immune system. Once that's better, then the body will say, okay, next priority, maybe reproductive hormones or, you know, the reproductive system in general. And so, you know, that's exactly how I play it is I don't make the rules. If I have someone coming into me for infertility, I tell them, give me six months, especially for infertility. If we're going from not being able to get pregnant for years, give me six months so that we can clean up the diet, clean up the gut, the digestive system. I also work with DNA and DNA mutations, which maybe that's a day for another podcast. (laughs) another topic. Yeah. Um, But yeah, so I want to make sure that your DNA is right. I want to make sure your inflammation is better. And I want to make sure your body is healthy enough to conceive and carry a child because that with infertility, as far as I've seen in my practice, it's not that you have bad eggs or that you have, you know, that there's something wrong with your body. Your body is doing everything that it can to keep you alive. And our bodies are amazing. I mean, human, there's some people like you were saying earlier that, you know, who only drink a half a cup of water a day, but yet they still are thriving and, you know, maybe not thriving, but they're living and they're doing their thing. And, and our bodies are just so amazing that they want to do everything they can to keep us alive. And having a baby is not a priority when the other organs in your body are failing. And my job is to get your body a hundred percent ideal. And that way your body says, yes, I can procreate. Absolutely. We can get pregnant and hold the pregnancy. You know, a lot of people are doing the, um, the hormone option right now for pregnancy and conception. And, and I know a lot of people who, you know, have gone a couple months pregnant and have lost the baby because of progesterone is a is common one. And so then the next pregnancy, the doctor puts them on a bunch of progesterone to keep the baby I find that it's not actually a lack of progesterone. That's the problem. It's the body saying, I'm not ready for this. I can't, I can't do this right now because other things are need to get cleaned up first. And so that is how I address infertility. And I have about a dozen babies come out of my practice that I've worked with moms, getting them pregnant and things after years. Usually by the time they come to me, it's years that they've been struggling with it. And gosh, it's such a sad story. And I just, I love being able to help people with fertility because for one, it's super important right now. You know, it also brings me to another epidemiology idea in our world. So in the past, even just our past generation, we've had more and more infertility issues. And if you were to just take a step back, a bird's eye view of what has changed in this generation, We've gotten more processed foods. We've gotten more Wi-Fi and EMFs. Yeah. We've got more of the of the um, screen time, less time socializing, um, less time cooking meals, a lot of eating out, that kind of thing. So much stress. Oh my gosh, can we talk about stress? Talking about the, you know, I'm here in America. Processed food all the while. Oh my goodness! Yeah, absolutely. And even you know, third world countries are adapting our first world food choices. Yeah. Yep. And they don't have our modern medicine. And so we're seeing third world countries, you know, going down the same rabbit hole and, and yeah, the stress of this whole pandemic of this crazy election we've just been dealing with in America. (laughs) I'm sure you guys are well aware of it. 
<laughs> I know lots of people had sleepless nights watching the election, waiting for the results. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Tell me about it. <laughs> so yeah, so we're living in a different world today than we were, you know, even 30 years ago, 50 years ago. Gosh, if we even talk a hundred years ago. So yeah, so so you know, we're looking at infertility like like it's these building blocks that we don't have, like you don't have hormones or you don't have a, the right egg or the right sperm. It's like, that was never a problem before. Maybe we should look at some of these social things, lifestyle things, and try to try to change those things before diving into like using medicine and drugs and, and prescriptions and that kind of stuff. So the long-winded answer, but that is kind of my theory as far as um, infertility and, and why we have more of it right now and how to how to change it. Oh, thank you for that answer. It's kind of interesting because like my grandfather, he, he used to be able to just, I mean, when infertile women go to him, he was like a kind of consultant and he could just tell them what to do and they would get pregnant and then they just conceive, you know. So this is a, these are the kind of things that we are missing. And with all the diet that you talked about, we just too much processed food, too much, too much, I mean, too much chemicals in the food. And then with all the Wi-Fi, the internet, the 5G, <laughs> 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 it's just not helping matters. So and again, I realize a lot of people are just deciding not to have children, which is, I mean, okay, but sure. yeah. those who do want to have children, it's such, it's such an emotional journey for them. I know. Yeah, yeah. It, it totally is emotional. And, you know, it's such a shame because I find when you go into the doctor, you know, you're not, you're not able to get pregnant. You go into the doctor and it's... It's never that quick answer like your grandfather used to tell people, right? <laughs> like, we need a ton of tests and we need all these drugs and we need this medication and mm. stuff. And, and I just don't think it needs to be that way. I think like your grandfather does. Gosh, I wish I could have met him. Uh, <laughs> he sounds like an awesome, awesome healer. And it was, it was. We need, yeah, we need healing. We don't need drugs and prescription. <laughs> we, need, we need healing. So that's what I'm all about. That's awesome. Oh, thank you. And where, I mean, what kind of advice would you give to people given that we are living in this uh, world with COVID? What can they do to regain control of their emotional health? Sure. So um, the first thing, because I think that we're living in a world of fear. I think that we with this pandemic and with this, you know, as our president says, invisible enemy, right? (laughs) But it is this thing that like, we don't know when it's coming. We don't know if it's going to affect us or if it's not, if we're going to die from it, if we're not. And so I think we're living in a world of fear. And so there's two things I want to recommend here. The first thing is if you're afraid of getting this virus and getting sick from it, I would strongly encourage you to improve your immune system because we are constantly talking about keeping this physical distance from us, putting on a mask, washing your hands. That's great. You know, those are great things so that we don't 
get the viral particles onto our skin and that these viral particles come into our body and cause this virus to um, hurt us. And so I think those are good measures. But if you do get infected, the only thing that's going to help you is your own system. And so if you can be strong in your own system and, and, you know, um, improve your immunity by, by doing the things in the diet that we've recommend, um, you know, getting rid of your food sensitivities, um, not eating the processed food, drinking more water, and just really staying good in your, in your immune system. Exercising is a huge, huge one. Getting outside if your country allows you to with um, all the lockdowns and things. But getting outside, getting fresh air, vitamin D is huge for immunity also. So that would be the first thing is I would say, if you're afraid, empower yourself. Empower yourself so that you have the confidence that you know, even if you were to get sick, that you have the tools to fight it off yourself. So same thing there, you know, looking into what kind of either getting in with a practitioner, but prevention, you know, really preventing yourself from getting a full-blown infection from it. Or if you do get it, doing the things that um, will help you to help your immune system to handle it or to get rid of it or whatever. Um, so making sure you're having regular bowel movements. There's some other um, techniques that I use like magic socks and even showers and saunas and things like that to like burn it out of your system, that kind of thing. So first thing I would say is definitely empower yourself, get healthy. You know, now's the time to get healthy. And I don't know why more um, people aren't talking about this. It's a virus, you know, let's do the things we need to do to get rid of this virus if you get it in your body. So that would be number one. Number two, as far as mental, emotional health, one of my favorite techniques is called EFT or emotional freedom technique. Have you heard of that? No, no. Yes. Yeah, so yeah, absolutely. So emotional freedom technique. And I describe it a little bit more on my website. I'm actually going to put up a video yeah. soon about this, but it is a great technique to release emotions from your body, not just from your mind. So I'm sure a lot of you guys have heard the saying, like the issues are in the tissues, right? Yes, definitely. <laughs> yep. And so when we have emotions or when we have, whether it's anger or fear, this whole thing or grief, you know, maybe a family member, a friend got the virus and, or just grief of losing the life that we used to have. Maybe you lost your job, whatever it is those emotions are going to get stored into different organ systems. So back to Chinese medicine, each organ system, which is a meridian, has its own emotion associated with it. So grief is going to stay in the lungs. Uh, fear is in the kidneys. Anger is in the liver and so on. And so each system, each organ has, has an emotion. And so if we are in fear and we're just kind of living with this low-grade fear of, are we going to get this virus or not? Or are, am I going to lose my job or not? Is my country going to shut back down? You know, things like this. And we don't do anything about it. It's just going to eat away at our kidneys. And it's going to start to cause some issues in there because that's where the body knows where to put it. And if we don't do anything, again, our body's main goal is to keep us alive. And so it wants, it doesn't want us to think about this fear because the way that our bodies were made was running from saber-toothed tigers, right? Or, or running from the bear. And so it thinks, okay, you have an issue or you, you know, you see the bear, you're going to sprint as fast as you can and put like all 
the fight or flight nervous system, turn everything on. And then the bear is going to leave and you're going to go back to foraging or, you know, whatever it is. And so that's kind of where we're built on these like on off switches in our day and age. You know, we are kind of stuck on because instead of that bear, it's this virus or your boss or, you know, something else that's not really going away. You know, this virus isn't isn't going to go away. And so we kind of have it in the back of our head everywhere we go. Like, am I going to get infected with it? And so that low level of fear and anxiety is getting stuck into different tissues in the body. And so from that, we can increase weight. We can weight gain. We can get inflammation. Our joints can hurt. We get like that IBS, that irritable bowel syndrome, where you just kind of feel off because you have this anxiety. You're in this fight and flight mode. So your body never turns into that rest and digest parasympathetic. And so the EFT or tapping is another way people say it. And I'll, I will send you a picture of these different points because we're, we're doing it via audio. So you can't really see where the points are, but it's tapping on meridian points, on acupuncture points that are associated with these emotions. And so you basically say your affirmation. So you could say, I'm afraid of getting coronavirus, or you could say, I am afraid of losing my job, or I am grieving because I lost my job. It doesn't matter what you say. It just has to be strong as far as what you're feeling. So let's use, um, I'm afraid of getting the virus. And so on these different points, and like I said, they're beginning and ending points of meridian channels. You are tapping out that energy, that negative energy that can get stuck into the body. And so you're tapping on the bladder meridian and saying, I am afraid of getting this virus. You're tapping on the gallbladder meridian. I'm afraid of getting this virus. The stomach meridian. I'm afraid of getting this virus. The kidneys, the spleen, the small intestine. And so all of those different meridians, you're tapping while you're saying your statement. You know, I'm afraid of getting this, or I don't want to get this, or I want my body to be strong if I get this virus. And so just clearing that energy is how I, how I kind of explain it, is that we have an energy blockage we're storing this negative energy into, into these organ systems and into our meridians. And so you just have to kind of clear that blockage with tapping on that point or rubbing or pressing. And then that will clear that, that emotion. You know, again, we could do a whole podcast on this and I could kind of walk you through which points you tap. And then we could take, take a, a situation or um, an emotion and just work through and clear it. And you'll be amazed at how quickly you're able to shift, how, how quickly our energy is able to shift out of this, you know, fear area or grief area into kind of a more like what I call neutral. So neutral, meaning that when you think about the coronavirus, it doesn't, make you crazy exactly yep exactly so so with this emotional freedom technique there's a couple other emotional techniques i do with my patients but my goal is to get you to the space of calm and just you know yes the event happened yes this pandemic is happening but it doesn't have to rock your world it doesn't have to change you know your trajectory Um, we all have opportunities. So, you know, an event happens and we have an opportunity to react to it. 
And it depends on how we react to it is going to depend on how our body thrives or, or not. So, yeah. So with emotional stuff, I'm always just trying to get people to be neutral. Okay. Yep. Yep. We're having this crazy thing happen with our presidency and, you know, we're just staying calm through it and whatever happens at the end of it is going to happen. It's not going to affect me and my body and my family. You know, it may affect these politics and whatever, but I'm going to make sure that I'm strong in, in my body and with my energy. So, so yeah, that's kind of my go-to home remedy for treating any kind of emotional issues. It, It works really well. So thank you so much for sharing that. Would that also be useful for parents dealing with kids that are going through anxiety and they're just stressed about this whole situation? Yes. Yes. Method also work for them. Absolutely. You know, I, I love to do it again, preventatively. So, you know, I'll teach this technique to people and I'll say before, before the kids start school, you know, especially if you're doing e-learning right now, sit with them and let's all, let's all tap together, you know, and just say, I'm going to have a great day at school and just tap all of these acupuncture points. I'm going to have a great day at school. I'm going to have a great day at school. We're going to enjoy learning. We're going to learn a lot today. You know, whatever it is that you want to tap, even if it is positive, um, you know, and just tap through it and it's going to have you have a greater day. Um, This also works for pain. So the first time when I was in the course learning this technique, um, I had this really bad stomach ache and the instructor pulled me to the top of the class and I was actually the, um, the, the guinea pig or, you know, the, the show dummy. And we, as a group tapped on my stomach pain and I swear it went from like an eight out of 10 to like a two or three out of 10. Wow. Um, that's interesting. Just a couple minutes. Yeah. And, you know, again, we were just saying, you know, I hope Heidi's stomach ache goes away. You know, I'm really ir- irritated about the stomach ache happening. So it works not only for emotional things, but also for physical things. So a lot of my patients with pain, indigestion, you know, all kinds of things like I, I, I wish my body would digest food better. You know, anything that you want to say, just tap on these acupuncture points and it really gets the message into the body. And um, yeah, it, hel- it helps a lot. It's, it's such a great technique, but using it with kids, getting them calm. I also have more, <laughs> I have more techniques that I use with kids actually to um, <laughs> Any, anyone who has like ADD or dyslexia or like a hard yeah. time, there's another set, it's called brain gym is kind of the, the technique there, but we can figure out like what, why are you having, you know, ADD or why are you having a hard time concentrating and then fix it. And we fix it. It's called brain gym. Um, like, uh, G Y M like we're going to the gym to yeah. exercise because it's all exercises for your brain. And so it's based around fixing, like these exercises are based, um, fixing your left and right hemisphere and getting your left and right hemisphere of your brain to talk together and then getting your brain to talk better with your muscles of your body so that everything kind of works. So while you're sitting in that seat, you don't want to fidget or, or slump down or constantly be moving. You have your, your mind is able to tell your body like, Hey, we're learning, we're enjoying this. So, yeah. So if there's any parents out there that have, that have kids that can't sit still for their zoom meetings for school, definitely um, give me a call or let me know. And I can even do a video on it. We could do another podcast on it. Um, I'd love to talk about that kind of stuff too. Cause 
yeah, it's huge. I love working with kids because they're the future of our society. Right. And so, you know, I think I'm, I feel like I'm doing my part by treating kids because we're, we're helping the world that way. They're going to be the innovators of tomorrow. So. Oh, thank you so much. Yeah. So before we, before I go to my, to any other question, where and how can listeners get to you? Yeah, absolutely. So I'm in Colorado. So if anybody wants to take a trip and go. <laughs> Give me that way long down. That's probably not going to be. <laughs> yeah. Especially since we're talking about the coronavirus. And <laughs> Just kidding. You can get. <laughs> <laughs> so my website is just my name, DR for doctor. So DR Heidi, H-E-I-D-I-L-B-D-A-L-B-E-T-E.com. And if you look me up, Heidi Albedi, um, you can find me on Facebook, Instagram, and I have a YouTube channel called Dr. Heidi's Healthy Habits. Yeah, a lot of my treatments are as far as like home remedies, um, lifestyle changes, things like that. I talk about the EFT. I talk about the magic socks that I kind of hinted at earlier. Yeah, I was actually interested in that, the magic socks. What's that? (laughs) Yeah. So magic socks are my secret ingredient to most things as far as immunity. And so if you have a cold, let's say you get coronavirus. Now, I can't say that this is going to work. I actually haven't treated, thank goodness, knock on wood, I haven't treated anybody yet with coronavirus. Um, <laughs> but <laughs> let's say you, yeah, you I would have said you'll be getting busy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, let's say you have the flu or whatever. This is a great way. And I, I call them magic because I swear they are. You put <laughs> Before you go to bed and you will wake up the next morning feeling so amazing. The congestion in your nose will be gone. Your lungs are more clear. Your fever can subside doing these magic socks. So it really is like the magic trick. And it's easy. You can do them at home. You could do it right now if you wanted. You just take a pair of cotton socks. So small cotton socks. Get them wet with water and wring them out really good. So cold water is better. Wring them out really good so they're damp. And then you're going to put them on your feet. And then you're going to put wool socks or fuzzy socks. They don't have to be 100% wool. And as I've been doing this technique more often, I find that it's really hard to find 100% wool socks. So any kind of wool blend will work. Even just like fuzzy hiking socks will work. So put those warm socks over that wet, damp sock and go to bed. And as you're sleeping, the body is going to work on warming up those cold, damp socks on your feet. And so it's going to take all of the heat and energy from your head and your sinuses and your lungs and bring it down to your feet and try to cool or try to warm up those cold socks. And so by doing that, it's actually cooling the blood that was up in your head. So it goes all the way down to the feet, cools off comes back up, circulating through the liver and the kidneys, which are our um, organs of elimination to get any kind of virus or bacteria or just inflammation out of the body. And then back up to your head. By the time it gets back up to your head, where your issue is, it's a lot colder and it doesn't have as many of those immune cells in it anymore. And so 
it's, it makes you feel better. And so all night long, your body is trying to warm up those cold socks and in turn cooling off the blood and then uh, making, again, having you have more vitality by the time you wake up in the morning, you're just not as sick anymore. I also use this for menopause, for hot flashes, for insomnia. It's a great way to help you fall asleep at night, which again, a lot of people hear it and they're like, you want me to put wet socks on my feet? No way. <laughs> I was going to talk about somebody like me. I have cold feet all the time. <laughs> yep. Yep. So for you, there's two things you could do. The first thing I always say is make sure you're warm. So like take a hot bath or hot yep. shower before you do this. Cause yeah, we don't want to put cold socks onto a cold body. <laughs> It's just, yeah, not as fun. You could also, if you're specifically your feet are cold, you can do this technique on your hands. So uh-huh. put the cold socks on your hands and then it'll bring the energy, the circulation from your feet up to your hands. Typically, again, I don't know all of your medical history and background, but typically cold feet is a circulation thing. Um, lack of circulation. And so by doing this on your hands, you're going to get the blood moving from your feet and, you know, it will have to go back down to the feet, even though there's no sock on there, you know, um, asking it to, it has to go down to oxygenate anyways. And so it'll just be increasing the circulation there. But again, like I said, I talk about this on my YouTube channel, Dr. Heidi's Healthy Habits. I started my YouTube channel about a year ago and had a baby in between then. So that, oh. but I'm back on the ball, back doing videos. So if you subscribe, you'll definitely get um, my updates. And as I put out more videos and all my videos are to help you guys, I'm not here advertising. I'm really here to tell people more about this medicine. It's so important. I think everybody should have a doctor on board who does muscle testing. Because with muscle testing, it can tell you exactly what's wrong with you and exactly how to fix it. And so regardless of your health journey, I think you should get a practitioner that does muscle testing so that they can tell you exactly, you know, what's going on with you. And so I just want people to know about it, you know, know that there is other options out there and that there are ways that you can heal yourself at home. So that's what I'm here to spread. Oh, thank you. That's been amazing. I, I, I've, I've learned so much today and it was just about conversation, getting yeah. this information out in the open. So muscle testing, I now know where to find you. And uh, it's amazing. I, all these things you talked about, they're just practical things. Yeah. Like changing the diet, wearing a wet socks and warm socks, the magical socks thing. So it's yep. just information is power. Yes. So, yes. Yeah. Absolutely. Oh. oh, thank you so much. And it's been amazing and fantastic having you. Awesome. Well, thanks for putting this on. Thank you for listening. Please download and share with your friends and family and on social media platforms. We are available on Apple, Google, Amazon, Spotify, IAT Radio. Listening Notes, Podchaser, Good Pods, Radio Public, Stitcher, Deezer, Pocket Cast, Himalaya, and anywhere you listen to your podcast, please leave a review, comment, or feedback on our social media platforms on YouTube, Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter 
and also on our website www.podbean.com. Thank you very much.